Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. For many students starting as early as age eight, there's something that goes, or rather should go, into their school bags alongside their books, period products. And that should is there because access to menstrual hygiene items isn't universal or easy. To address this personal and public health issue, Missouri school districts are now offering free period products to students through funding from the new Feminine Hygiene Products Grant. The program starting as school nurses across our state report a serious need for such items to help their students manage their periods. One of the survey authors, Ann Siebert Coleman, and principal of Jennings Senior High School in St. Louis County, Chrislyn Billingsley, joined producer Avery Rogers to talk more about the survey. Anne began by explaining the survey results. So last school year, we did a statewide survey with school nurses throughout Missouri. And some of the big takeaways are that um, almost most of the school nurses who responded, so around 70% of those who responded, are aware of students in their schools who they and their families are struggling to afford period products. And on top of that, they also know, a good number of them know, students who in their schools who are missing school because of their periods. Principal Billingsley, Jennings Senior High School in St. Louis County was the subject of an earlier study that Anne led in 2021 about how a lack of available period products affected your students' education. What challenges have you seen your students dealing with? So at the time, we noticed that it impacted our attendance that we have female students who were coming to school if they were on their periods or they left early or just unfocused because they're cramping or just their minds are focused on what's happening with their body instead of on school. And can you talk a little bit about what difficulty managing menstruation specifically refers to? Yes. So we have seen that access to products is certainly one component of that, right? And if you don't have access to products to clean, absorbent, hygienic um, material to absorb your your menstrual blood, then that is certainly um, a challenge. But managing menstruation overall refers to some of the other things that Dr. Billingsley was just talking about in terms of um, the cramping, kind of the the rate of flow. Some students refer to um, trouble with odor and kind of general hygiene and cleanliness uh, during menstruation. And I think that's what Dr. Billingsley was referring to, that um, in addition to products, which is certainly a very important component of this issue, that there's a broader um challenge for a lot of students with managing menstruation so that it doesn't impact their education, so that they are able to pay attention, um, so that they are able to attend the full day, so that they can participate in um, their education and activities and that sort of thing, and really, you know, be able to fully participate in activities of daily life. So, Principal Billingsley, what effect do you see this grant having on your school? I think it enhances 
um, us having access to more resources for students as far as periods go. So that's not an excuse that we'll be able to use to say that's why kids aren't in school. So this is a part of us uh, making a concerted effort to remove obstacles from students. If this is one of the reasons that you're not in school, well, we have what you need here at school. So, Principal Billingsley, I'd like to talk about a little bit before that first study in 2021. Um, at that point, did your school offer free period products or was it not until after? We did offer them, but there was not a selection. Um, so students couldn't make a choice about what kind of product they used. It was just some stiff, some stiff, dry looking pad in a box, I would say. And so... I mean, if that wasn't available, um, girls have said that they even had to use paper towels or toilet paper if something would happen at school in an emergency. So now there's more choices for sure. Right. And also at that same time before the 2021 study, how did your school approach education around menstruation? It seems that the most conversation that we were having about it happened in health class. So when you get to that particular unit, then then that part might be covered. So now um, those conversations are more broad. Um, I would say there there is less stigma about saying what you need, um, especially with the teachers having kids in their classroom for students. I know that a lot of students who don't menstruate don't really need to worry about paying for products every month or feeling badly to the extent that they don't want to go to school. And... Does the study imply a difference in educational opportunities between students who menstruate and students who do not? So the study focused on nurses' perceptions of um, um, their students who do menstruate and the challenges that those students have. I think, again, this goes back to what Dr. Billingsley was saying, that for those students, yes, there are times when it keeps them from going to school. It... um, keep them from paying full attention in class. And the goal is to make sure that this is not a barrier, right? To remove this as a barrier so that they do have full opportunity to be in attendance and to be paying attention and fully participate in the educational day. And in terms of like feeling comfortable talking about periods and menstruation, I know that Many adult trans men and non-binary people that I know still often feel uncomfortable talking about their periods, and I can imagine that discomfort is much worse for teenagers. Um, Principal Billingsley, how do you address this in the education that you currently provide at your school? So in the beginning of the year, when we talk to the staff about how to handle, you know, common classroom issues or things that might arise, how to handle them, we specifically do cover about periods uh, because when we have new freshman students especially um, they're new to the building they don't know the staff and so sometimes they bring with them you know from the middle school they bring that part with them that you know like they should be this is something they should hide and so you don't have to hide it here so if a female student is saying she needs to get to the restroom then you gotta go ahead and let her go and then you also have some things that you can provide to her for what she might need in the restroom or that we also have the nurse. So we just open it up um, that these are the things that might happen. And if they do happen, this is how we should handle it. 
And I'm curious, the survey indicates that 26% of school nurses report knowing that students who have a hard time accessing period products during school break, like summer and Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something that you see the grant having an, a capacity to help with? Oh, most definitely, because hopefully what the grant enables uh, schools to do is have more resources available, Um, enough resources so that they don't feel like they have to ration them of, oh, a student can just have one to get through this class or get to the end of the day, but really to allow students to take the number that they need, right? So if they need them over the weekend or overnight, and then you're talking about going into um, breaks and potentially over summer, you know, being able to sort of have that bridge um, during those breaks in school so that they are able to have more resources available. And as Dr. Billingsley was saying, you have a mix of resources so that students are able to um, choose the resources that work best for their needs. And does the statewide survey indicate any demographic disparities among students who have these difficulties managing their periods? So two important things. So one thing is in terms of missing school as a result of um, periods, that cuts across districts, right? Kind of regardless of size of district, location, we looked at urban rural location, we looked at enrollment characteristics of the district. So all um, nurses equally across the state are reporting that they know uh, students who are missing schools because of their periods. But that encompasses the, the entire part of products and kind of the management, the cramping, the heavy flow, the odor, that sort of thing. If we look specifically at those nurses who are reporting awareness of students who they or their families are struggling to afford products or awareness of students who um, they are managing their periods from kind of homemade pads and tampons. So as Dr. Billingsley was saying with uh, toilet paper and paper towels and kind of whatever they can get their hands on. Yes, there we saw an association with um, the percentage of student enrollment, those who are eligible for free and reduced lunch. So as um, enrollment of eligibility for free and reduced lunch increases, there is um, increasing number of nurses reporting that they're aware of students who they and their families are struggling to afford products or that the students are um, relying on homemade products. So in terms of access to products, Definitely. In terms of the larger component, in terms of how periods affect um, school attendance uh, overall, that seems to really cut across issues, um, across characteristics of districts across the state. And Principal Billingsley, is there any particular student experience that kind of sticks out to you? I would just say overall, when we first started um, the study, with Dr. Coleman, um, it was it was astounding to hear the kids say, um, you know, when they watch TV, they see these commercials um, offering these particular products, but they had never used them themselves. And it made me think back about when I was growing up that I kind of grew up in a similar way too. And only until I got a job or whatever, I was able to go to the store and buy what I wanted. And so, I mean, you just think about you kind of you forget that maybe everybody doesn't always have a choice about what they're doing. So I was astounded um, to hear the kids talk about it that way too, that 
it wasn't always a choice for them about what products they had access to. And so we've been able to offer an array of that too. Um, so they can see that it's not just on TV, but you can, you can have it, you could have it here too. Yeah. And what, what kind of effect do you hope that this grant will have on either school attendance or educational success? Um, Anne, I'd love to hear your response. Yeah, I really hope that um, schools are aware of this and are able to take advantage of it because it is another set of resources for our schools, right? So if they can have kind of a consistent supply um, and if they can have variety um, so that they have the products that meet their students' needs, I think that's really, really important. Um, and then that also hopefully alleviates a little bit of pressure on our schools in terms of resources, right? So that they can invest um, their energies um, in other places as they have more support in this area. You know, I really hope that it has sort of that alleviating effect for schools that they are really able to access and utilize um, the money, the resources available to them so that they can have the resources that their students need. And how, how would you go about even measuring this impact? Um, that's a great question, um, and that's something that we're, we're hoping to think about. But I think the first step is really seeing um, how, how well utilized is it. Um, this is the first year that this money has been available for, for schools. Um, and so sometimes it takes time, a little momentum to get going. But I think raising awareness um, for schools and districts that this money is available and that they can tap into these resources um, is a really important first step. Was there something that you wanted to know about that wasn't addressed in the survey? Um, as a researcher, there's always questions that I want to know about. Uh, so we are looking for um, next steps. Um, and to follow up, but I think this survey um, was really important because this is really the first time we've had statewide data um, that, you know, reflects the situation overall. Um, we have done um, more focused studies, um, for example, partnering with Jennings, for which I'm really grateful. There's folks who have done some work in Kansas City and elsewhere, but to really be able to, to show that this is not just an issue in select um, schools or districts, that it's really something that affects um, schools throughout the state, I think is really very important. Can I add on something to what Dr. Coleman said? Of course. Um, something that, that I felt good about um, in the research was sometimes people, you know, like to point out what are, what are the issues that are unfolding in urban education. And so it was nice to see that this was a universal issue, that it wasn't just about um, the student population that I get to serve. Um, it's something that impacts girls. Um, sometimes we overlook the issues that impact girls. And so I was happy to see that people took an interest in what's happening with our girls. Yeah. And, you know, last question. This is for Anne. So there are plenty of people who don't menstruate, obviously. Mm -hmm. Why should they care about this issue? And does this affect them in any way? Yes, definitely, um, because we all know people who menstruate, right? Like 50% of the adult population um, menstruates, and that affects daily life for everybody, right? It affects economics. It affects education. It affects social situations. And so I think it's really important if we make this an issue just about a select 
group and don't think about what the impact is for everybody, then I think we we run the risk of really um, not giving it the attention that it needs, not being able to um, reduce the stigma and um, address the stigma the way that we need to. So I think really taking it on as a human issue is what's most important um, and being able to address it from that way so that everyone's aware and that people are comfortable talking about it and people are comfortable um you know, students kind of regardless of how they identify from a gender perspective are comfortable asking for the resources and the products that they need. Karen Siebert Coleman, thank you so much for joining us. And Principal Kristen Billingsley, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, you're welcome. Thanks for the invitation to join you. That was producer Avery Rogers speaking with St. Louis University Associate Professor Ann Siebert Coleman and Principal of Jennings Senior High School in St. Louis County, Chris Lynn Billingsley. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury and Avery Rogers. With audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.